0: Five, five, four, three, two. Hey, welcome to One Dive at a Time, the official podcast of Neptune Warrior. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. I am the founder and the director of Neptune Warrior. Hey, this week we're going to talk about anxious divers and having anxiety while you dive. And that's not necessarily something we want, especially in our organization where we are trying to find ways to reduce anxiety. Now I see anxiety at all kinds of level of divers. I see it with you know brand new divers who are just getting started and they're, they, may be, may, they may be anxious about what they can't see. Uh, they may be anxious because they can't see the bottom. They may get anxious because they are newly certified. And it's their first time diving with a buddy without an instructor. It could be some performance anxiety as they're going through skills. I see it on up through the other levels like master scuba diver. I see it in the leadership candidates. Someone who's be trying to become a dive master or an instructor because they've got that, you know, I've got to perform it well. I've got to do it really, really well. You know, I'm. this is where the grades are really mattering for me at this point. I want to make sure that I'm making my instructor trainer or my dive master trainer happy. So all kinds of anxiety stuff. So I want to talk about that today. And I want to give you five or six tips on reducing anxiety as a diver And because our mission is healing heroes one dive at a time, I want to make sure that we find ways to transition that back into everyday life. So a couple of the scenarios that have come up, oh, I guess probably in the past year or so, but it's it's really not unlike things that I have seen my entire career as a dive instructor or even as a diver. Outside of the diving world, I am someone who struggles with anxiety. And I've struggled with, with it to a level where I've had to go get professional help with it. It was that bad. And diving is one of the things that does help center me. So a couple of the scenarios I've seen, I have got a diver from actually a couple of years ago that would get anxious when they were diving They couldn't see the bottom. And we dive a lot of no-vis, low-vis environments here in Idaho. And, of course, that can carry over into ocean diving. You know, you come off of a boat, you know, you come off your dive boat, and maybe there's a shipwreck sitting down at 100, 110 feet or so, and you can't quite see the bottom. You've already got a little bit of anxiety because you know it's going to be a 100-foot dive. And maybe you have done a couple of those dives, through advanced training, or maybe you've done it, uh, you know, outside of your advanced training. And it's just a matter of getting practice and getting getting comfortable with that. You could be psyching yourself out. Maybe on your other dives you have been following a guideline down to that that kind of a depth, and suddenly you're dropping down. I've got another diver, like I said, doesn't like, the you know, when they can't see things, So, night diving is a definite no, even when it's really, really, you know, a really, really nice area to to dive in, whether that be the ocean where you've got a lot of visibility. You know, you can see all the way out to where your light beam ends, but maybe you're a little anxious about what may be staring at you from behind. And then I've got divers that get anxious with just performance anxiety, wanting to make sure that that they're happy, you know, that they're making the instructor happy or they're making their dive partner happy. All those are different types of scenarios. And at, at some point, there's something behind that. There's something behind that anxiety. And man, I mean, once you get anxious and that and that ball starts rolling, you've got adrenaline, you've got cortisol, and it's just firing away. and And oftentimes what happens, and I see this again with my master scuba diver and my dive master candidates is that once they make that first mistake, they continue to make mistakes and I'll see it in open water as well. I saw this a couple of weeks ago with a diver that they were anxious about taking their mask off. And so we do a lot of just baby step drills to get them to that. I've, because of the program that I teach under, I can actually have them do a mask removal before they have to fill a mask. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> so, so for me, the first time that they breathe on a regulator, they don't have a mask on. I, I don't have them put a mask on, have them put a regulator in their mouth and drop down and breathe. I have them sit at the surface. We're in chest-deep water. They bend at the hips, bend slightly at the knees with a regulator in their mouth and they just and they just breathe through that regulator Sorry about the momentary pause I had a bang on the window because the dog is fence fighting <laughs> All the joys of podcasting from home All right so that's that's the methodology that I use is that they they again they put the regulator in their mouth no mask on the face and they slightly bend at the hips, slowly drop that regulator into the water so that they're blowing bubbles. And and then they put their face in. And I find that this makes mask removal a lot easier. And in fact, I'll even have them swim a short distance underwater with no mask and just a regulator in their mask. And this is before they've ever done a clearing incident or clearing exercise. And what I find is, is I have a lot less incidents of someone failing to clear their mask because they've already been in that environment where they're used to water being around the nose, around the nasal cavity, having their eyes closed, all that kind of stuff. It just works a lot better in the manner that I teach. Now I've got instructors that are, especially if they are with an agency that is very uh, checklist oriented or you have to go step by step, they're they're freaking out right now. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, you can't do that because it's not on the checklist. Hey, under SEI and under Nowi, I don't have to follow those steps, and I find it works a lot better for me. And I've I have a lot less cases where someone struggles with the mass clearing. As a matter of fact, they usually get it most of the time, first time around, and they do it without anxiety. But every now and then, you'll get that you'll get someone who's a little anxious about that, or they'll. They'll fill it up the wrong way and the water goes up the nasal cavity. They'll they'll open up the bottom of the mask versus the top of the mask, and suddenly they get, you know, the entire pool giving them a, a nasal enema. And, you know, or it's like a large neti pot <laughs> clearing out your sinuses, and they freak out a little bit about it. Especially if they're a diver. And remember, I work with a lot of divers who've had trauma in the past, and sometimes it's been near drowning incidents or it's been some type of trauma in the water they fell out of a boat or i've got a case where a grandmother tried to to drown my you know it it tried to drown my participant when my participant was you know you know six or seven years old so there's already that fear of the water there so my job is to help reduce that anxiety and that's one of the ways i do it so if you look at some of the videos i've posted up either on instagram or youtube you'll see where i've got people playing tic-tac-toe underwater without a mask on, and sometimes that's done before they ever do a mask clearing exercise, because I slow down, and we take the time to do that. But what can happen is you get a person who they are anxious about that, about the mask clearing drill, or a regulator recovery, or a BCD removal, or giving a dive briefing, whatever it happens to be, suddenly, that anxiety pops back up. Most of the time, that anxiety has nothing to do with diving. There's something else there. There's something that that has to be unpacked. There is some type of a trauma in the past. There is some place where someone's heart was mismanaged. They were physically abused. They've had some type of a negative impact that throws them into that anxiety. Because when you get anxiety, basically, it's it's the body reacting to something that's happened in the past. It puts up those, those protective barriers. You know, you're fixing to, to go into Lucky Peak where you've got zero visibility. And your only experience on scuba has been, you know, in a, in a pool environment. And suddenly you can't see and it gets murked out. And you have to drop down with the instructor on a line or, or swim out. And you, you can start to get very, very anxious. And it's important that we understand and we're able to unpack that anxiety because if we don't solve it at that point, you're going to have a diver that continues to be anxious in different conditions. And at some point they're going to graduate and move on from my instruction or somebody else's instruction. And we've never resolved that anxiety. I've got a diver a couple of years ago. We were doing, purposely doing a no-vis dive, doing a, and we're, teaching them to work with buddy lines on a night dive. And essentially that diver got way too many tasks to handle, trying to manage a buddy line, trying to manage the light. They already don't like night diving. They already don't like low vis, no vis diving. And it's just, it's overwhelming. And so you have to pull back from that and start breaking it down because once that adrenaline and once that cortisol start flowing, brother, it's over. And what happens in most cases of anxiety, especially where it's, where it's performance-based, right? You've got a dive master candidate trying to do a great dive brief totally blows the dive brief. Totally blows a buddy check. Whatever it is, a good instructor comes along and doesn't smoke them, doesn't berate them, but says, all right, hey, you missed this one. Let's kind of step back a little bit, kind of figure this out. I've got a feedback model that that we walk through. Hey, here's what I want, you know, and it's, and it's basically purpose observation impact are the first three things we talk about. Hey, I want to talk to you about the buddy check you did. What I observed is that you did that entire buddy check, that entire dive pre-dive check or diver pre-dive check, and you missed hooking up the inflator hose. The impact of that is that when that diver goes to fill their BCD before doing a giant stride, or goes to fill their BCD to, to, you know, to put air into the BC, it's not going to work for them. But it's always positive reinforcement. Of, okay, we didn't get it this time. We'll catch you next time. Well, if you've got a diver who's, or a dive master candidate, or a diver that's worried about that performance anxiety, man, the bells and whistles are already going off, and there's usually something in their life at some point. That says, "Hey, I'm not good enough, or I'm a screw up. I messed up. I'm not worthy of being in this program. I'm not going to be a good diver. I'm not a safe diver." There's something in their head because you know they've they've been told this before. So our job in Neptune is to kind of reel back from that, hit the rewind switch, figure out what's going on. So I'm going to give you some some ideas five or six items that I use with my divers that are struggling with anxiety, both in the dive environment, as well as the day to day outside the dive environment. So here's here's like the five or six things that I want my divers to do. And I know I've got some of my divers, some of my students that are listening to this. And if you are struggling with anxiety, number one, I want you to come talk to me about it because we'll figure this stuff out, right? You're going to be a good diver. The divers I've got, wind up being good, responsible divers. They get a lot of practice. They get a lot of coaching. They get a lot of feedback. They wind up being really good divers. So come talk to me. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, talk to one of the diver development coaches. And as long as they're not teaching you something new, you know, they can talk to you about anxiety and they can talk to you about what you may, you know, may be doing or may not be doing on things that you've already been taught. But here's, here's the five or six things. Number one, Number one, I want you to start journaling your dives. If you are a student, an open water student, and you're still in the pool phase, I want you I want you journaling even your pool dives. Now, we can't count those for open water certification. In fact, we can't count them as, as dives. But I want you to start counting or I want you to start journaling what you do that day in the pool. If you're coming out to the coaching sessions, the Friday night coaching sessions or ultimate dive challenges, I want you journaling that. I looked over at Jacques the other night, who is one of our recent master scuba diver graduates and is probably going to become a a dive master at some point. But he journals, first of all, he's 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 a tech nut, right? So, you know, he's dove back plates, right now he's doing side mounts, and so he is weighing out each tank that he uses in his side mount and he checks for buoyancy and all kinds of stuff. All that goes into his journal. And this is for a pool dive. So if you're doing UDC, man, you've got a great opportunity to journal that experience. Now, most people do dive logs. You don't have to go out and buy a $50, shop save me on this. You don't have to go out and buy a $50 dive log that has, you know, what, you know, what your surface interval was and, and, you know, I mean, you could do that if you like, like to, I mean, and I, and I've got divers that, that love to put that stuff in there about, you know, what their surface interval time was and, and what server, you know, what, what partial pressure group that they're part of, how much weight that they have after a while people stop journaling because it be, it's not fun. They, you know, they, you know, you'll read on the boards or I'll talk to divers. Yeah, I stopped, I stopped journaling after dive 12, or I've never, or I I stopped logging dives after, after dive 12, or I stopped logging dives after dive 55, or I got my 100, right? And what happens is it becomes more of a pain in the butt to log dives. What I'm talking about is journaling. You're on an adventure experience. Let's write about it. Let's remember it. I mean, I can go back to my dive logs all the way back to 1994 or dive journals to 1994 and I can tell you about those experiences. I may not be able to tell you how much weight I had when I dove that dry suit. But there are certain things about that dive I can tell you. And this is all I want in the journal. This is really easy. It makes it fun. The date of the dive. How deep you went. The amount of time that you spent. What the water temperature was, what the air temperature was, what the overall weather was sunny, cloudy, breezy, snowy, whatever. What dive site that you're on. Don't number the dive. You can always go back and count numbers later. If you start counting dive numbers, then now it starts to become either A, a competition hey, I've got 50 dives, you got 45, right? And, and, and if you're the one with the 45, you start to fall behind, especially if you've got that dive buddy. That has nothing better to do in life except for go diving every single day. You go through open water together. Maybe you do advance together. You're stuck at dive 25, and they're like on you know getting their SSI platinum card for for 5,000 dives. All right, so then it, it's not it's not fun. You can always go back and count the number later. Okay, don't do that now. Go in and put the date, put the dive site, where you went, how deep you went, how much time you spent down there. You know, just those basics I gave off. And then that gives you an opportunity to do this. This is the beautiful part about the journaling. Again, this is just number one of the anxiety, uh, you know, reducing anxiety stuff I'm going to give you. One is you get a chance to talk about the experience. What did you see? What did you do? How did you feel? I did a podcast a couple months ago on Be Here Now. You can go back and review that podcast. And there's some questions that you can answer on that. Now, let's say you do get anxious, right? You're one of those divers that gets anxious. Record what your body is doing. I'm shaking. I feel compressed. I, you know, I get tunnel vision. Ask yourself then, why do you feel like that? You have to kind of unpack it. And if, you start hearing certain things come up that, that says I'm afraid of the dark or I'm not a worthy diver. You go out and if you're a dive master candidate, you go out and you give a dive briefing and you totally blow it. I cannot tell you how many dive master briefings I blew. And, and thank goodness, my instructors were really, really understanding and provided good positive feedback and good models of how to give a good solid dive briefing. Otherwise, I mean, I think I just would have lost it, and never would have become a dive master. You know, so if you've got a dive, you know, if you've got an instructor that's, that's providing positive, you know, positive voices in your head, ask yourself, what, why do I feel like this? I blew, you know, I, I shouldn't be a dive master. I'm not worthy. I screw things up. I'm going to get somebody killed. Ask yourself, why are you feeling like that? Because there's a good chance somebody in your past is giving you that story that you're not good enough, that you can't get it, you know, quick enough, or, you know, you're not worthy. Somewhere, someone has mismanaged your heart, mismanaged your expectations or their expectations. They've mishandled your, you know, you, you know your, your, your mental capacity. Someone's told you that you're stupid. Someone's told you that you're not worthy, that, you, that you're not physically capable of doing this. You got to put that stuff in your journal, figure out. And then the second thing is ask yourself, is that true? I'll tell you straight up, nobody becomes one of my dive master candidates unless I think that they've got what it takes. And I'll even back that up a little bit further back. There are people I turn down for open water because after talking to them, either A, they're not really either doing it for the right reason or this just may not be their thing or B, I'm not the right instructor and I need to give them to someone else. So if you're diving with me or diving with anyone that's in my organization, you've got what it takes. We're not going to put you into an advance just because we need to fill quotas for advance. In fact, I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not a big believer in in going straight from open water to advance. I like divers to have at least four or five. At least four or five more uh, additional dives before they come back for an advance. I've got some divers. That I'll ask. I'll actually send them off and say, "Hey, you got your open water. You're a good diver." But before we start exploring some other things, I want you to go knock out about eight or ten dives. Go find a dive buddy. Call me. Go dive, and then we'll come back for an advance. I'm not going to rush someone through advance because I want I want to make sure that they've got what it takes. So number one, journal your dives. Don't do a dive log. Do a dive journal. And it doesn't have to be an expensive one. Go down, you know, it has to be able to to relate to you. I've got some YouTube videos out there on on journaling. I'm not going to get really big into journaling on this episode. But it's got to be something that invites you to write in it. And then when you write in it, tell the story. Talk about what you did on that dive. I saw baby bass. I saw an octopus. I went down. I, I did a UDC and I was able to put a, take my BCD off, put a shirt on, put my BCD back on. I was able to push a marble across the pool using a spoon. Whatever it is, right? Tell the story. If you get anxious, put down what your body is doing. Also add in things in there. You know, what did you see? What did you learn? And then who you're with. You know, and, and then you don't have to go get a dive master to sign that off or anything. You know, that's not what makes it an official dive. Get your buddy to sign it, Whatever it takes, right? Just make sure that you are journaling that dive. Not logging, but journaling that dive. The next item is go find a tribe. Find people that you can dive with. Find people that you are comfortable with. And, And honestly, you don't have to go out and dive all the time. Go see a movie. Go hang out. You know, go to a bar, go bowling, whatever it is. But find people that you have an affinity for the same things and go do that stuff. With Neptune, you know, we we meet out by the fire pit. We've gone to movies together. We meet up for pizza. Find a group where you can just blow off steam. And and if talk about diving makes you a little anxious, maybe, maybe that's not the group to hang out with. You know, you can find other people outside of diving that, that you that you talk to. Of course, you can always recruit people into diving when you do that as well. But, you know, the, the big thing is find a group of people that you can just go and hang out with. One, one night a week. No agenda. You know, it's not like a book club. Hey, we're going to get together and read this book or, we're you know, let's let's meet about this. It's all about just the hang, just hang out. And that's one of the things I love about our community is that we have hangout time. And we have people who hang out outside of, you know, Neptune activities, outside sit by the pit and Friday night dives and Sunday afternoon dives and, and whatever else, right? They they just go and hang. Another part, you've got to drop the sugar. And this is, my, this is my vice. So like I told you, I deal with anxiety. And I know one of the things that makes me anxious is the sugar and the caffeine and the processed crap that I put in my body. That adds up. One, it doesn't make me healthy. But number two, my body at 2 o'clock in the morning is still going 90 miles an hour. And then I do something like I put an audio book in and then my brain never really goes to sleep at night. So you got to come off, you know, the challenge I'm going to have for myself, I'm going to extend to you guys is if you're doing candy bars or anything, it's processed sugar, sodas, Mountain Dews, rock stars, whatever it happens to be, right? Come off of it for 60 days. I can't believe I'm giving myself a challenge to come off that stuff for 60 days as I'm sitting here with a Coke right now. But that's, you know, that's that's a challenge for for myself as well. I've got to come off that stuff. I'm not a real big sugar hound as far as candy bars and things like that. But I know that when I have come off sodas, I feel much better. And man, my anxiety level does go down. The other one is get out and exercise. If you're gonna be a diver, you gotta work out, right? But what I find is that I need exercise in the evening to start letting all of that adrenaline go. So I'll come back. You know, like I've got I've got divers. I'll come back from a dive with them, and they may be a little rattled about something. Maybe something didn't go quite as well as they wanted. Or I've got a dive master who just feels like crap about the the, the briefing that they gave, or the way they set up the dive, or maybe it was an event that they're planning didn't go off quite as well as what they wanted. Man, we go take a walk. And we don't really talk. We're just we're getting that adrenaline and that cortisol out of our system. I've got dive masters who have given horrible briefings, and this goes back to when I was in Texas. They've given absolutely horrible briefings, or they did a, you know, they, they did a setup that wasn't quite the way it should be, or is nowhere near where it should be. Or they're not, you know, they're not performing the drills and showing the demos like they should. And instead of beating themselves up, What I do is we used to go out, the place I was place I would work at a lot of times, had a really nice sandy beach and had some really nice grass that came up right to the beach edge, and we go without shoes and just walk, do some exercise, bleed off that energy. And that's one of the things I would recommend is if you have got anxiety, you come in from work, and even though maybe your boss is, you know, maybe your boss lets you up, maybe you've got one of those bosses that are actually caring and compassionate and will, you know, will tell you, hey, you're you're doing okay, we'll let this one go, we'll figure it out, you know, and, and coaches you, you still have got those alarm bells going off, right? A lot of us have been there that, you know, even though someone has told us, hey, it's okay, we'll figure this out, those alarms are still going off. Maybe it's a spouse, right? You feel like you let a spouse down. And you've got to, you know, you've got to dissipate that adrenaline, and that cortisol. So take a walk, go do some exercise. If it's outdoors, that's even better. Being here in Boise, the past couple of days we've had 70 degrees sunshine, and we've had 30 degrees, 30 degrees snow, and then right back to like 50 degrees in sunshine. It's hard to plan some of those outdoor activities, but find something that dissipates that adrenaline and that cortisol in your body. So that's really the five ways to deal with anxiety. You have to, so on, how do we take that? and We put it back into the dive. Well, if you're, you know, if you're actually on the dive at the time the anxiety comes up, that slow, steady breathing, find one thing to focus on, right? Find something that you can control. If you're having trouble controlling your buoyancy, hang on to the ascent, you know, descent line. If you've got a dive platform, something, right? Hang on to the side of the, of, the, of the shipwreck. Find something where you can control. I've had divers just totally freaking out, right? I'll get them to where that they will just be calm. We breathe. Then I'll have them do a simple task like pull the regulator out of their mouth, blow those tiny bubbles, put it right back in. Not a full toss away, just pull it out about four to five inches, put it back in because now you're starting to show an area where you have control. If I've got a dive master who's messed up a dive briefing, I'll ask them to go do pre-dive checks because then it puts them right back into the mode of doing things correctly. If I've got a, a master scuba diver that is messing up something like a, a, a you know a lift bag exercise or a mapping exercise, I'll pull them back in. We'll find something that they do that gets them to relax and and press forward. With divers who get anxious with low vis, no vis, I find a spot where they can, you know, where we do have even 6 to 10 inches of visibility, and I have them just work that little area. This happens in Quinn's pond a lot, by the way. Quinn's pond will have less than 5 feet, actually sometimes less than 3 feet of visibility well the anchor chains off of the docks you can see on front of you and if they if i had them concentrate and focus on just the next 1 to 2 feet that are on that anchor chain pretty soon they're down at 35 feet down into the to the little tire area and once they get down there things kind of open up a little bit as long as they're not kicking up mud and everything else so you find areas where they can control right or find areas where you can control so again make sure that you are journaling your dives, that's something you can carry into your, your day. By the way, something I did want to mention on this, I, I totally missed it on when I came through this before. I'm going to add it very quickly. I don't normally like doing that, adding materials. I'm doing my summary. But the other thing is, you need to journal what you did right or what you're thankful for. Because I've had dives go totally, totally in disarray. And instead of feeling very defeated because my, you know, my dry suit flooded or you know whatever happens right and i didn't have a great dive what i do is i find three to five things that i either learned or that i'm grateful for on that dive i saw a baby bass i learned how to or i, I was reminded to quickly disconnect my inflator hose that goes to my dry suit so it didn't overinflate. Uh, i was grateful for the dive buddy that i was with whatever it happens to be you know i'm grateful for the new regulator i had Whatever it is, you know, three to five items that you're grateful for. So, number one, journal your dive and learn how to journal your day. And then, if you do get anxious, ask yourself, hey, what's that all about? Number two, go find that tribe. Number three, get off the sugar, caffeine, and process stuff. Number five, go exercise. Wait, number, learn how to count again. One, two, three. So, that's actually number four. Number four, go out and exercise. So that's all I have got for this episode, I think. Yeah, going back through. Yeah, that is all I have for this episode. Hey, don't forget we are starting to do Sit by the Pits again. And could really use some encouragement from you guys as we are uh, moving forward into the dive season. We're finding out a lot about our divers and the things that, um, that just drives them to be better divers and better people. But in uncovering that, we're finding a lot of stories as well. You look around our dive community, you look around your own dive community, and you find that there's people that they're hurting. And diving is one of the things that makes them feel better about who they are. And if we can figure out a way to drop off that anxiety... We're just going to have a much, much better diver, a much better dive community. And think of the relationships that we're building as we do that. So that's all I've got for this episode. Make sure you guys take care, be safe. And remember, as long as you've got air, you're all right.